Hello, Herstorians. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to a Spooktober episode of Women of Her Story. <laughs> a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. With me today is ghost hunter extraordinaire, Jared Screeching. How are you doing today? Are you ready to kick off the spooky season? Happy spooky season, everyone. It's October. (laughs) I am ready and excited to start this month off in the spookiest way possible. I hope we have some scary theme stories. We do. We're going to be doing something a little different this month. And if the ghoulish language didn't tip you off, then I don't know how to help you. (laughs) This month, our main episodes are going to be all about women of the past who are in one way or another associated with the supernatural world. We're starting off with a familiar one, Lorraine Warren. You may know her and her husband because of their investigations of demon possessions, apparitions, and more that have made their way into pop culture through movies in the Conjuring universe. So let's get into the Spooktober herstory lesson. <laughs> Lorraine Warren was born on January 31st, 1927 in Devon, Connecticut to James Sr. and Georgiana Hamilton Warren. She had a husband, Ed, and the two had a daughter, Judy, together. Ed served in the U.S. Navy in World War II, and the two were actually married when he was on leave. Their daughter, Judy, was born after the war. After exiting the military, Ed actually went to art school, and the two began to travel to sell Ed's artwork. It was during these travels that the two began to investigate houses for hauntings. Mm. Lorraine was clairvoyant, a light trance medium, and Ed, a self-taught ghost hunter, much like yourself, Jared That's Screeching. That's so interesting that, we're in, that we were in the same business. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Lorraine would contact the spirits in homes and locations while Ed researched and documented everything. Mediumship is the practice of purportedly mediating communication between spirits of the dead and living human beings. Practitioners are known as mediums or spirit mediums. There are different types of mediumship or spirit channeling, including seance tables, trance, and Ouija. Clairvoyance is the claimed ability to gain information about an object, person, location, or physical event through extrasensory perception. Any person who is claimed to have such ability is said accordingly to be clairvoyant or one who sees clearly well you know i've always heard that um we could only see about like 30 to 40 percent of what's in front of us Mm. and that there's actually like layers of existence that the human eye is unable to see like you know how there's colors that we can't see or like they can they like they kind of see they like have their senses their other senses are super strong Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. ours we rely on our sight as much but um you know it's interesting when they even, even though those movies are like movies, um, they do bring out the certain um, the uh, equipment that these ghost hunters mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. to kind of locate where these beings could be. And it's mm-hmm. so it's just so unique to well, think that there's. Yeah. And also considering that, like, we can only access a finite amount of our of our brain. Yes. You know, there's so yeah. much of our brain that we can't access. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very interesting. 
Their life's mission was, quote, to prove the existence of good and evil, God and the devil. Along the way, they pioneered many techniques still used in the field today, including audio and visual recording devices, advanced electromagnetic devices, and even produced their own television show. So speaking about the, the pieces of equipment that you, you just referenced, they pioneered these, these pieces of equipment. They thought in the same way that you were thinking, we can't see electromagnetic waves, but there are devices that can pick them up. To have the mental wherewithal to think that there's like something in front of you, but you don't know what, and to create that equipment is very so forward thinking. Yeah, very it's like, so cool. Yeah, you have to be on another wavelength to kind of conceptualize Oh, absolutely. That. In 1952, the two founded the New England Society for Psychic Research. This is now the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Ghost hunting group. The organization claims to ad- the organization claims to have investigated over a hundred thousand claims of haunting and paranormal activity, even assisting the police in investigations. The organization not only legitimized the two, but it made it a little easier for them to gain access to homes to investigate. It's just like Scully and Mulder. Yeah, it totally is. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it is. Some of the famous cases they investigated included the Lindley Street Poltergeist, Smoral Haunting, West Point Ghost, Farron Farmhouse Haunting, and the Amityville Murders. The paranormal investigative work inspired numerous Hollywood films. Perrin Family Home in Rhode Island inspired the Conjuring franchise. Lutz Home in New York, the Amityville Horror. The Snedeker House in Connecticut, which was once a funeral home, inspired a haunting in Connecticut. And the 1968 encounter that two roommates had with a doll set inspired the Annabelle series. By the 1960s, Lorraine and her husband began to focus on helping people that they believed were possessed or haunted, rather than documenting and investigating cases. So instead of just seeing what was going down, they were like, why don't, why don't we help people who are going through these hauntings, these things? Lorraine and Ed... Lorraine and Ed really began to gain notoriety in the 60s and 70s. They would lecture at colleges, usually near Halloween. Here, they would detail their exploits, heavily feature slideshows of spooky photos and audio tapes of demonic voices. It's safe to assume they gained this notoriety because they were the only true ghost hunters and demonologists for a long time. There weren't entire TV channels dedicated to ghost hunting like there are today. Yeah, I know the Catholic Church would um, send out special um, priests, you know, I think even before oh, there were like yeah, exorcists but that's, to like yeah. kind of... Um, to exercise cleanse, the de- yeah to cleanse like the evil but spirits. there weren't people who were going to just investigate oh who no were going right to- no and this was also like the like the per- like whoever was inflicted had to like tell the catholic church like the roman catholic right, church right, that right. was like the only yeah that i think that was the only quote-unquote game in town when it came to like demonic possessions right 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 Absolutely. Very unique, though, that they just did it on there. Yeah, they were like, yeah, let's corner this market. Yeah. (laughs) So I found an article 
called In Search of the Supernatural, written by John C. Peterson. It was published in the Connecticut Magazine in April of 1972, right around when the events of The Conjuring are set. I'm going to verbatim read what he wrote, as it is incredibly well written, and it gives us an excellent idea of what was going on before the Warrens would be called in to get rid of those pesky apparitions. All right, here we go. I'm ready. Their investigations have dealt with human and inhuman spirits, crisis ghosts, malign forces, demons, and witches. They warn of the dangers of fooling with the spirit world. Locally, the Warrens have checked numerous reports of supernatural activity, such as the demons that drove an 18-year-old girl to practice human vampirism, the spirits which haunt a willimantic theater, and the ghost with mixed emotions that helped an East Haddon family renovate its home. Even if it's only deja vu or precognitions and dreams, others have found terrifying proof of the occult. Some have even been driven to destruction by it. It is nothing for amateurs. The Warrens tell a story of a 13-year-old girl who was playing with a Ouija board and asked for proof of a spirit presence. Hate it. She got this proof with two days and two nights of hell. Her proof began with a manifestation of an animal form walking on her bed. Then came brutal hands which bruised most of her body. Hate it. It was only her mother's presence of mind, explained Warren, that saved the girl from serious harm. The mother prayed by the girl's side and sprinkled holy water throughout the two-day vigil. One of their most authentic and interesting cases investigated by the Warrens was that in the Francis W. Antonelli home in East Haddam. At first, only Mrs. Antonelli was bothered by a spirit presence, but as time passed, other members of the family and visitors, among them a reporter and photographer from a newspaper, experienced the supernatural. An apparition first appeared to Mrs. Antonelli on February 2nd, 1966. The family had retired for the night. The rest of the family was asleep, and Mrs. Antonelli was about to doze off when she had a funny feeling. I thought something's there, Mrs. Antonelli related years later. Opening her eyes, she saw a mass of gray mist with four distinct appendages. It was bright and looked as if it were in a bubble. She turned on a light and the figure disappeared. She got up to look for the source of the reflection but never found one. Quite shaken, she returned to bed. She sat there with her glasses on and the lights out. Minutes later, the apparition reappeared. This time, it turned and appeared to go in the direction of the hall and the rooms in which her children slept. Alarmed for her children and believing it was a ghost, she screamed her faith in God, affirming that faith. She closed her eyes tightly and went to sleep. For the next year, Mrs. Antonelli lived with the experience and a scoffing husband. But a year later, he stopped laughing. Mr. Antonelli had returned home from his job in New London at about 4.15 one afternoon. The rest of the family was away at the time. Suddenly, he heard an ungodly scream. Looking up the stairway in the direction of the sound, he found the stairs appearing as if they continued into infinity. Rattled, 
he sat down and consumed quantities of coffee and cigarettes. Calm again, he decided to finish the installation of a heater in a remodeled attic room. He laid a hammer on the floor where he worked, about seven to ten feet away from the top of the stairs. Suddenly, the hammer went flying down the stairs, and Tonelli retrieved it and laid it down again. This time, it flew over his left shoulder. When the family returned, they found him white-faced and with two cigarettes in his mouth. In the months that followed, other members of the family reported strange occurrences. A guitar that strummed itself, a typewriter that needed no one to ring its bell, a neighbor's child staying at the house reported seeing a whitish glob. A series of strange urging followed as the family completed renovations of the 19th century structure. Repainting the interior, they found the colors they had chosen were those of the original wall several layers deep. Rebuilding the fireplace, Mrs. Antonelli had a compulsion to dig in the ground beneath an outbuilding. She found the original bricks, which dated back before the existing modified hearth. Digging for the foundation of the patio, they found one beneath it. After cutting a path through the brush behind the house, they learned there had already been a path in the same place years before. As they laid out a stone wall, they discovered one long lost beneath it. A seance conducted by Lorraine with a local minister unfolded the history behind the haunting. A young girl who became pregnant by a neighbor. Her parents would not allow her to marry him, so the child was born illegitimate. The parents and the girl never loved the child. The baby died accidentally. It was winter, and a grave could not be dug. So the body was placed in the attic and later buried in the cellar. The father of the baby came looking for it and was killed by the man of the house because of the turmoil the spirits remained earthbound. A newspaper, The Day of New London, sent a reporter and a photographer to investigate the reports of the Antonelli's house. Norman R. Soderberg, a veteran journalist, listened intently to Mrs. Antonelli's story. At one point, he swears he saw a door latch move back and forth. The longer he stayed in the house, the stranger he felt. He said that he felt, quote, as if I was in another dimension. The photographer, John Erweiler, was kneeling to take a picture when a piece of lumber struck him across the back. It had been leaning against a wall and should have fallen to the left or right if disturbed, not straight at him. Quote, I don't believe in ghosts, Erweiler said last month when asked about the experience. But this thing went uphill to get me. Lorraine and her husband estimated that only one out of 20 cases they were called to investigate were valid. The two eventually opened up an occult museum showcasing various haunted artifacts, including the famous Annabelle, who remains locked up tight. They also authored 10 books on the supernatural that are still referenced by the community for their paranormal findings. When Lorraine wasn't investigating spooky spooks, she was giving generously to numerous animal charities. Maybe she couldn't deal with humans that are alive anymore and decided that charity work was best for the animals. 
after Lorraine died on April 18th, 2019, at age 92, actress Vera Farmiga, who played Warren in The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, The Nun, and Annabelle Comes Home, said, My dear friend Lorraine Warren has passed. From a deep feeling of sorrow, a deep feeling of gratitude emerges. I was so blessed to have known her and I'm honored to portray her. She lived her life in grace and cheerfulness. She wore a helmet of salvation. She donned her sword for compassion and took a shield of faith. Righteousness was her breastplate and she has touched my life so. Love you, Lorraine. You're waltzing with Ed now. Mm, I know, I know. And you know, they, she definitely spent so much time with her making sure that she had she was gonna do justice for for this woman yes but also i would bet you any amount of money that any of these movies that they filmed about about this couple would like there was like hauntings going on on the set like i i I can't even imagine that vera farmiga is going through her life not playing these roles and not being haunted by the ghost that like totally like if i were playing someone that was like ghost hunting like in a, in a movie or a role I, I almost just think that like it's going to happen to me yeah, because you gotta i'm carry like, a flask of holy water i mean there's like like you know if, you, if you take it that seriously like Burn it's not sage. all the way method acting but like you're invoking the person's name so many times i almost just think you like with the name comes like the emotion the mm. spirit the, mm-hmm. the process mm-hmm. the 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 aura you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. just Full body chills. Also, when you read that, by the way, um, we are never moving to land that is cursed. No, uh, we are moving I on water. Move. I well, could... I'm not. No, like no, no I... one, no one is buried on water. You know what I mean? I like, could. I, I'll live on. We're gonna build what land if, can, on water. Can we have a vacation house that's haunted? No. No, no, because there are places that have there are haunted no, hotels. No, but like not. No, that like haunted. That anyway. Like. No, not I'm not living anywhere spirits. that's haunted. Aww. No, no, no good hauntings. No. That's I'm like, gonna start a petition. That's like having a good nightmare. No, like, I'm gonna no, start no it. We thing. can have ghost friends. No, no, no change.org, nothing. None of this Kickstarter to live on haunted ground. I'm grounds. gonna start a petition everyone, and people are gonna sign up. Everyone, They're gonna be on my side. Everyone who's listening, <laughs> if you care about this co-host, <laughs> if you care about this ghost hunter... Just yeah. ignore that woman no. that's telling you that she wants us to move I... on to haunted lands. Uh... I'm just going to live in the air. <laughs> I'm just going to live on a hot air balloon the whole my whole life. <laughs> that's not haunted. Well, I actually want to talk a little bit about their daughter, Judy. Because her parents traveled so often, she spent most of her childhood with her grandmother in Bridgeport. She attended Catholic school, and no one knew what her parents did. She says this, When I was in sixth grade, I asked my father, What should I say you do? And he said, I'm a landscape artist. Tell them that. (laughs) When the nun heard that, she put me in charge of the class plants for the rest of the year. I don't know if they lived or died. That's mean. (laughs) (laughs) So I mentioned Annabelle, the Raggedy Ann doll that the world is curious about. Well, let's not be so callous. This is a a very nice, respectful doll that we do not mean harm to. Well, Judy often states that she is scared of it. Yeah, good. She lives by the two golden rules her parent told her. Touch anything. (laughs) Don't touch anything. Yeah, do not touch the doll. 
do not give it any recognition. Damn. You know, she had all these rules, and those are the two rules that she had to follow. That's how you know that doll's serious. Yeah. People stay trying to mess with... Man. <laughs> Judy is at ease carrying on her parents' legacy, but her husband, Tony Spera, is at the helm. He was mentored under Lorraine and Ed, and is now a paranormal researcher. She takes after her mother and is an animal lover, and she has shared that she still gets offended hearing criticisms about her parents' work. Quote, I still get discouraged reading negative articles about my parents. The only difference from the movie is that I was an adult reading it about it and getting mad. Wow. Yeah, because I, I think in some of the movies they do reference Judy, but as, as a little girl, and she's like, when this was happening, I was an adult. Like, like, what they're saying affected me as an adult, as a teen, as, as an actual adult person. Like, people are saying all these awful things about her parents. And she's like, stop. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm, real. I'm alive. All this is real. Please, yeah. these are real people. I'm a real person. So I want to leave you guys with a quote from Lorraine. The spirit doesn't see me as a woman or you as a man. The spirit sees the aura and like attracts like. Which is why I think we could move into a haunted place. We're only going to attract the, the, the happy spirits. So that was really nice what she said. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Spirits, good or bad. Bad. They're bad spirits. Um, yeah, they don't see gender. They don't. No. They see aura. No, they and just see a being. Auras. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to... See, that's the other thing, too, I was going to mention earlier. I feel like in order to actually be a person who could possibly see spirits, you have to have that mentality. Like, you have to be a person that could either want it or that, like, believes in it, thinks they're going to see it. Fully open to it. If you're not and you're just in your head going through your day-to-day, -day, there's no, no chance that you're going not. to see it. No. Um, They're just going to, like... You are not they're the not person gonna make that they are. Aware to right, you. exactly. Yeah. yeah, you have if, to be a person. You have who, to be receptive. You have to. You have to be a person who consistently talks about wanting to see the spirits and want to move into a very <laughs> spirited house and then just kind of hang out inside are you, spiritedly. Are you, are you worried? I'm. I'm getting as haunted. Concern is more <laughs> of a better word. Yeah. You know, we are in Queens, and Queens is built on top of graveyards. Half of Queens is a graveyard. Yeah, well, I we're like not living on graveyards. Mm. I'm not moving to a graveyard. Mm. I'm not moving on a graveyard. And like I said, I'm going to live in the air. I'm going to be a <laughs> What about a treehouse? Can we live in a treehouse? The tree over, might be haunted. Over, <laughs> over a uh, no, cemetery? No, the tree's cursed. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, historians, for tuning in to our very first Spooktober series. Um, I really hope you guys like it. Um, not all of the episodes are, are like ghost story driven. You'll see there's some really, really interesting ones coming up. Come back this Friday for an interview with owner and creator of Baked by Blondie, Jennifer Atkinson. In this interview, she talks about how she fell in love with baking, her favorite recipes, and her new project with an extra special ingredient. She actually sent us um, some chocolate chip cookies. I was going to say, so those those cookies were really good, good, and I'm excited to have some new recipes for the fall slash winter season. Yeah. When we're sitting around. Yeah. Yeah. Living our best lives. I'm going to cook up a bunch of fun stuff. It'll yeah. It'll be great. Yeah, so tune in for that. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, tell the deli guy. 
Tell your cashier. Tell your cat. Tell let your, your pets cat. know. You know, we're Tell very we're very in. pet friendly. We... This is like mostly a pet friendly show. <laughs> so we're very we're very pet. We're pro pet. Yeah, we're very pro pet here on yeah. this platform. <laughs> Follow our social medias for some extra inspiration on Twitter at the Her Story Pod. Instagram. Women of Her Story Podcast. Visit our website at ofherstory.com. And until next week, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. Wear a mask. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Boo. <laughs> Spooky.